0: Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal, the Continuing Church of God. Well, as I film this, it's December 28, 2013. What's significant about that date? Well, one thing is sort of significant. It's true, is a Roman calendar date, but on that particular date in 2012 was the beginning of the Continuing Church of God. You say, well, wait a second, how can it be continued if that's when it began? Well, the Church of God itself began at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, roughly 3031 AD. But on December uh, 28th, 2012, I had been working with another Church of God group trying to get them to correct errors that they admitted they had, fix literature, update their statement of beliefs, basically keep promises that they had given to me as well as to encourage them to prepare for what I've long called the final phase of the work. However, I received a letter that basically ignored the promises that they had made, basically gave me the answer that they weren't going to try to address any of the issues. They were satisfied, apparently, with the mistakes they had. They didn't address the final phase of the work. Instead, it ended up being a, more of a personal attack, which t- took me by surprise. So what do you do about this? Well, because of certain other things that happened with me a year or so before, uh, and the fact that I knew that God wants the, the work to be finished, Matthew 24, 14 says this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached to the world as a witness and then the end will come. I knew it had to be done. So we went out on our own. We went out, unlike other groups, I hadn't called a bunch of other people. Um, I didn't have conspiracies. We didn't go and contact various ministers and say, will you support us? Will you support us? Didn't ask if anyone's going to give us any money or anything along that line. We went forward on faith Faith that uh, if we are uh, praying, we're close to God, uh, if we're trying to accomplish his will, he would do it through us. Now, within a day or so of when we formed, I went out and I said that I believed that the Continuing Church of God would reach more people in its first 30 days than probably any other uh, Church of God group that had connections or leaders who had been in the old worldwide Church of God, with the exception of any that had to do with the late Garner Ted Armstrong. The reason I made that exception is he was basically a celebrity at the time, and so when he left, he had uh, kind of a celebrity notoriety. But ignoring that, in the first 30 days of existence, the continuing Church of God absolutely did reach more people than any other Church of God group I'm aware of, and we did that through, uh, through radio and the internet and some personal contact, but mostly uh, through radio and the internet is so where we reach most of the people. Now, a lot of groups when they leave or they form, they say they're going to do something that others haven't done. They say that uh, they are going to get the work done. They say they're going to reach people. They talk about having literature. They talk about various programs they might have And, you know, there's a kind of expression that uh, that talk can be cheap. And the reality is a lot of people have made a lot of promises. And the question is, how is the continuing Church of God any different? Have we accomplished what we set out to do? Or are we just like many of the so-called hundreds of groups that had origins in the old worldwide Church of God who basically take care of ourselves, pretend that we have uh, a work? Or are we different? and if so, how? And if so, why? And if so, what have we accomplished? And What do I believe that God is going to accomplish with our help? Well, there's a few things. First, in our first year, I I personally did uh, 15 radio interviews. With the radio interviews, I was able to reach millions of people, most of which had no Church of God background, had no inkling of Church of God, and that's where actually doing radio interviews is a big advantage. It can reach audiences that we normally wouldn't reach. Now, I'm not objecting to other groups that have their own radio programs or television programs, and that's that's fine, I'm not objecting to that. But they tend to be, for a particular type of audience who tends to watch a particular Type of channel or listen to a particular uh, radio station and a lot of times they don't reach the broader public as well as let's say doing radio interviews the other advantage of doing radio interviews is as I said we left without any uh, financial commitment well it doesn't cost money to do radio interviews occasionally I have to make a few phone calls so okay I guess those cost a little bit of money but as far as actually uh, being on the radio we haven't had to uh, uh, pay for airtime I'm normally on as a guest. I normally talk about uh, uh, news items of uh, prophetic interest. Uh, I bring up uh, church doctrine. I talk about prophecy. talk about uh, what's going on with the church, depending on which one, which station I'm doing, what the format is. And you've also got to be cautious. There are some disadvantages of doing uh, radio interviews. One is you don't want to intentionally insult the host. And so uh, sometimes there's a time to say, speak your whole mind, and other times there's a time to to hold back, and perhaps during the commercial breaks or other times, explain the way of God more perfectly to some who don't who don't get it or don't understand what's going on. Well, I believe that no later than the 28th of December 2012, the final phase of the work began. Now we've seen different phases of the work. Uh, the late Herbert Armstrong. Uh, we believe started or was used by God to begin the Philadelphia era of the Church of God. When he died in uh, January of 1986 another era if you will began, the Laodicean era, but another thing happened as well. I believe that what was happening is we were having a transition. There were transitions between those who flat out did not truly accept Church of God doctrine and so when they had an opportunity or they were told by false ministers that it was okay to uh, not obey the Ten Commandments, uh, to keep uh, pagan holidays, not to uh, observe God's holidays, etc. A lot of people sadly went along with that. So that was one type of transition. Then there were those who you know, stuck to the fact that you know, we should keep the Sabbath and the Holy Days and that kind of thing. And that is what ended up resulting in a variety of groups being formed. They had different priorities Most did not have the same priority of uh, proclaiming the gospel. They did not have a work similar to the Philadelphia-era work that uh, uh, God used Herbert Armstrong to lead in the old Radio Church of God than the old Worldwide Church of God. Now, many were shocked that they'd ever have to leave the Worldwide Church of God, and they didn't expect that type of apostasy could happen from within. Sadly, we've seen what I consider a more subtle form of apostasy I was speaking with the uh, presiding evangelist of the association I used to be in probably eight, nine years ago, and I was warning him that he was getting too influenced by those of a Laodicean mindset and that he needed to be careful about that. And unfortunately, as time went on, uh, more and more uh, Laodicean attitudes became more prevalent. And sadly, eventually, they, they took over. And that particular organization uh, no longer, in my view, holds the Philadelphia mantle. Yet I do believe that the continuing Church of God does. And so, while people thought it was radical to have to leave the worldwide Church of God to go into other groups that uh, didn't go as far into apostasy, if you will, as worldwide did, uh, then, and by the way, that of course doesn't count those who totally left, and some, you know some became parts of the other Greco-Roman churches. But when it comes to... Going from a Laodicean organization to a Philadelphian organization, people seem to have a lot more reticence about that. And I would suggest that you check out what I say. Check your Bible. Pray about it. Decide if you want to support a Laodicean organization or if you'd like to support the group that's leading the final phase of the work, which I believe is the last part of the Philadelphia Uh, remnant of the Church of God, which I believe is being led by the continuing Church of God. Now, one of the things, well, what have we done? I mentioned before, I've done 15 radio interviews, reached multiple millions of people on the radio. With our Google campaign, we've reached over 10 million computers with uh, parts of our message uh, about uh, the true church, church history, and even a little bit about prophecy. In the last uh, 12 months we came up with uh, two YouTube channels, the Bible News Prophecy channel and the one that uh, this is being broadcast on, uh, which would be the continuing COG channel. Has anybody watched our stuff? Well actually yes, we've had over a hundred thousand, excuse me, 130,000 uh, views of our videos. And so quite a few people have at least started to pay some attention. In terms of our, our websites, we've had uh, just about five million uh, articles uh, viewed. And those of you who've uh, been to, let's say, the cogwriter.com website will notice that some of the articles are kind of long. You know, Most are at least 10 or 15 pages, and uh, some are like 100 pages long. Interestingly, the notes that I'm using for today, which is based on uh, a post I made at the COGWriter.com uh, Church of God news page today, this morning, when I printed it out, it ended up being 18 pages long. <laughs> and I didn't realize that post was quite so long. So when we say talk about article views within the Continuing Church of God, usually we're giving people a lot of information, hopefully information that they will uh, be able to benefit from. Now, of course, we've also established congregations in the United States, New Zealand, uh, Kenya, Uh, Tanzania. And we have scattered people in other parts of Africa. As a matter of fact, we have people in in Europe, South America, Central America, the Caribbean, Asia. Uh, As far as I know, the only major uh, continent, at least in the world, that we don't have anybody uh, would be Antarctica, which is not, generally speaking, considered to be an inhabited continent. But it's also possible we've had supporters who've gone back and forth there, I don't know, Now, something else that we did that's uh, kind of unique, it's not totally unique, but I'm not aware of any other group that's uh, been able to do it. In our first eight months of existence, we actually came up with our own songbook, the Bible hymnal. Now, in one respect, it's not a massive accomplishment because the Bible hymnal that we have includes the songs from the 1974 Worldwide Church of God Bible Hymnal, plus some others that we were able to get permission from by making an arrangement with uh, Ross Jepsen, who wrote some songs that the late Herbert Armstrong liked, and we put those in the book. Now what's interesting about the songbook though, is we've got the songbook online, so those of you who are watching this on the internet, you can look online and you can uh, read the songs. As a matter of fact, if you go to the ccog.org website, and click on music, not only can you find the songs, you'll actually find another link there, music accompaniment, so you can actually listen And sing the songs along with uh, musical accompaniment as opposed to just trying to read the notes and sing them on your own. Although, those of you who have been around for a long time probably know these songs and you can do that. But what a lot of people don't think of, by the way, is that the Bible hymnal, at least ours, is an evangelical tool. The back cover of the old Worldwide Church of God Bible hymnal had nothing on it, it was blank. Ours is not, it has a lot of information we actually get out some of the Church of God message just from the back cover of our songbook. You say, okay, but people just look stuff on the internet. Well, yes and no. There are a lot of places in the world people don't have internet access, or hardly ever have it. And actually, we've sent hundreds, for free, of course, we've freely distributed hundreds and hundreds of songbooks in Africa. So people who don't have internet access... Uh, actually, get part of our message. Uh, yes, you've got all the songs and psalms in there, and they could read that. But with the back cover, I think we've also been able to reach people in a way that others were not doing. We have magazines in uh, multiple languages, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. According to a program called AW Stats, we've reached people in at least 220 uh, countries and uh, territories. And with our YouTube videos, uh, which I mentioned before. We've actually reached people over 200 uh, countries and territories. I haven't looked at at those stats in a while, but it was at least 200 when I checked about a month or so ago. And that's growing all the time as we get more and more people watching our videos. We also have a statement of beliefs. You can find that at the ccog.org website. But we have it not only in English, we also have it in Spanish, uh, Tagalog, uh, Kiswahili. And currently, in process, we have people who are trying to translate it into the Dutch language. The language of Jingpo, which is in uh, an area called Kachinland, which is northern part of Myanmar, also called Burma. There's somebody uh, currently translating the statement into German, as well as somebody translating it into uh, Mandarin Chinese. And if other translators come up and volunteer to help us, we'll do more. We produce literature. Some people have suggested that we're only an internet church, but that's certainly not the case. As I mentioned before, we do, we have the outreach with the radio, we have people on the ground, but also we do produce literature, and we produce literature in a variety of uh, languages. And I actually like to talk a little bit about how some of this goes together. Okay. Basically, I write most or all the articles, and then I send them to our uh, proofreader editor over in New Zealand, the English version, and she fixes some of my typos and mistakes and edits that, so we get assistance from there. Uh, There's someone else in New Zealand who also sometimes assists with some of the formatting, and I've got someone else in New Zealand who's actually working on editing some other project that we've got going on. So we've got some editors over there who assist us. But I mentioned before that we put our literature out in multiple languages. I thought I'd tell basically how all that happened. Shortly after we formed, uh, almost immediately after we formed, we were contacted by people in New Zealand. I've just mentioned some of the roles that they've played. But uh, several weeks later I received an email from somebody in Latin America. And this individual asked me some questions about why I left my former association, which he was part of. So I answered his questions and I referred him to an article or two that I wrote, and all of a sudden, without me asking, he sends back a translated article. So I thought that was interesting, translated into the Spanish language, by the way. So I posted that online. Then he started to translate more articles. And actually, the more articles he translated, the more he decided he wanted to support the continuing Church of God. And so what happened was, without me even asking, he actually went back and he translated the first edition of our magazine, and then the second edition of our magazine. And so suddenly we were in multiple languages, which I thought was kind of an accomplishment for a small group. Remember I mentioned New Zealand? Well, it turns out somebody who reads the language called Tagalog, which is from the Philippines, happened to be a friend or an acquaintance of our proofreader, editor, out in New Zealand. And this individual contacted me and asked if I was interested in getting anything translated into Tagalog. And I said, certainly. So he started to translate for us into Tagalog. And again, Tagalog is spoken, it's a Filipino language, probably about 70 million people, 50 to 70 million, depending on how you look at it, uh, uh, can read it or do read it. I mentioned uh, another one, another language that we have literature in is Mandarin Chinese. Now, this story I found kind of interesting and impressive. There was a, an individual who was born in Canada, raised in the United States, uh, who's Chinese, and he works in the Shanghai area in China. Well, his sister was getting married in California, and he followed uh, the Cogwriter website from time to time and decided that he'd like to go to a Church of God service, and he thought he'd like to come here. Well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Arroyo Grande, the five cities region of California, we are 200 miles from Los Angeles Airport, roughly 300 kilometers away, so we're not close. <laughs> it's not convenient. But he decided to drive up here for a Sabbath service, and uh, we kind of had a kind of a potluck service here, we brought some things and we fed him and we met with him. And then after he spent several hours with us, and we answered his questions and stuff, he said to me, is there anything I can do to help? And I start to grin. I said yes. We'd love translation to the Chinese. He said, let me think about that. And then he did. In the meantime, while this is all going on, I got emails from somebody that I don't know out of india and he's hearing about all this and he's interested in getting our magazine in a language that is spoken there in his state, province or state there's a language called telugu and roughly 70 80 million people speak it it uh, seems to me and i'm not a linguist but it seems to me it has some similarities to hindi Anyway, so he's been translating uh, for us and the next edition of our magazine, the January edition, we believe we will be able to put out at least a version of it in Telugu. He sent me some stuff. Uh, Telugu looks different than other languages. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Sinhalese or Hindi, those of you who are used to the Sanskrit type of languages. So that's another language, another pl- that will have literature in. And then there's, there's one more Uh, for our magazine, and that is we were working with people in Kenya and I had wondered if it would make sense to get any literature translated into Kiswahili. And somebody over there put something together, but it was not a professionally done translation, let's just put it that way. And I was approached by a man in uh, Tanzania. Now this particular individual contacted us almost immediately after we began, so he's been a, a supporter of the Continuing Church of God nearly from the beginning, and he says, he emails me, he said, you know, this isn't quite up to standard. And I said, okay. So he went and he uh, retranslated our statement of beliefs into Kiswahili, and it's available online. And also, he said, he be interested in translating our magazine into uh, Kiswahili itself. We received it uh, last week, uh, I looked at it, but I can't make head or tails of Ki Swahili particularly. So I sent it to a man we're working with in Kenya who reviewed it, and he got back to me and said, this is really good. <laughs> this translator, this is, this is this is sufficient quality. This is really good. You ought to commend the translator, which I'm now doing, presuming he watches this. Uh, and so we'll all should have the language in uh, uh, Ki Swahili. Now, just to, to show you some of, the, some of our hard literature, this, for example, is the first edition of our magazine. This particular edition is in the language of Tagalog, uh, what they speak in the, uh, the Philippines. Uh, they, of course, they also, many of them also know English, but we do use, uh, we try to reach people uh, where they're comfortable in. The title of this one, by the way, in English is Continue What? And so we've got this particular one that was put out in Tagalog. Here's the second is edition of our magazine. In the second edition of our magazine, uh, this particular one I'm showing you is uh, the Spanish language. This is, actually, every one of our magazines has been translated into Spanish. But anyway, this is a Spanish language. Uh, so we have literature in Spanish. Mandarin Chinese. Uh, we've, uh, we, we now have a couple of magazines that have been put out in Mandarin Chinese. Mandarin's a little bit uh, smaller. Uh, because the characters tend to represent words or at least two characters together. We represent a whole word depending on what the the thought you're trying to convey. So it makes it a little bit smaller, but we do now have our magazine in hard literature form in Mandarin Chinese. And of course, here's the next edition. This is in English. Uh, So, and this one was also in uh, Chinese and uh, 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 Spanish. Now the current edition, well, I should say current, the January edition, we just got this uh, a couple of days ago and we actually started to mail these out. Uh, the Spanish Kiswahili translations or whatever, those versions are at the graphics company. They're still laying them out, but we hope to uh, get those printed and out hopefully next week or so. So we, we have regularly produced magazines in our first year. So that's one of the things that we've accomplished. And that is, again, to put put the literature out. And give people useful information. If you have your Bibles, you might go to Matthew 28 19 through 20, because I'm going to probably refer to this a few times uh, during the sermon. Jesus commanded, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And we're trying to do that currently. We're trying to teach all things that Jesus commanded. Now, how do we do that? Well, I, was mentioned, I mentioned websites, I mentioned literature, but with the uh, uh, January edition of the magazine, one of our uh, supporters had said to me, you know, probably we need something like the old Bible correspondence course that the old Radio Church of God had. And so I looked at that particular course, uh, the 58 lesson course for those of you who have a background in it, and I looked it over and I thought to myself, you know, in the 21st century, unlike 1955 or whatever, people are much less comfortable with the old King James style of English or Old English. And for the 21st century, perhaps we should update this. We should fix some, uh, some things that uh, perhaps should be worded differently. We should use more modern examples uh, and primarily use, at least for the English version, uh, the New King James Version of the Bible, but we sometimes use the Old King James Version of the Bible. Well, anyway, in the current uh, magazine, uh, we have our first uh, lesson. And you can see it's not real short. These are the pages of, uh, of the lesson. Yeah, That's it. That's the pages of that lesson. Our plan is to produce one quarterly. And in addition to being part of our magazines, we are hoping that we're going to get this in other languages. We were contacted in June by a group that was related to a group I used to be part of and they wanted to see how we might be able to cooperate together and I asked them if they would consider doing any translations and they just translated the first lesson of our study the Bible course into French so we now have that up online we don't have it in a magazine at this instant but we do at least have that available uh, online and we've got additional uh, languages and people who we believe are going to translate our materials into other languages. So we hope to have this. Why? Remember I mentioned Matthew uh, 28, 19 through 20. Jesus said to to teach all things where he commanded them. So to teach all things, it takes a, a bit. And so this course is designed for those who don't have a Church of God background, but also for those who do. Kind of refresh things and to learn things that people hadn't considered in the past. So we are serious about putting out uh, hard literature. We're serious about having uh, materials available in multiple languages. And we're serious about reaching whoever we can and going through door doors God opens for us. Now, as I mentioned, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, it says, go to all the world and to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to the world's a witness, Matthew t- uh, twenty-four fourteen, And that's something we've been doing. Well, what have we been doing as far as being on the ground? Well, in the spring of 2013, I was actually able to enter a fairly rough, drug-infested neighborhood in Latin America and actually speak before a group. This group had ties, very distant ties, if you will, to uh, the group that Herbert Armstrong was once part of before he left. And I was able to speak to them. I was able to give them messages that they hadn't considered. Was able to get uh, Church of God doctrine to people who lost it or never had it. So that was one thing that I was able to do. Later in the spring of 2013, my wife and I were able to go to uh, Vatican City and, uh, and to Italy. Over there, we were able to conduct uh, historical uh, research. We were also able to make uh, some sermons, some messages for, for the brethren, which we were, uh, she filmed I, I, I did the speaking, she did the filming. And uh, one of our sons had to uh, put it together and edit it together uh, when we had multiple clips. And I'd like, to, I plan on going to uh, the Vatican again uh, very soon, and I'm hoping to do some additional research there, both on aspects of church history as well as end time prophecy, and I believe that will be helpful. Uh, in the fall of uh, 2013, uh, my wife and I and one of our sons were able to go to uh, New Zealand. Uh, we'd been to New Zealand before, uh, 20, I think it was like 26 years prior, so it's been a long time since we'd been to New Zealand. We'd actually never met the people, at least I don't recall meeting the people that we met uh, in the Canadian Church of God over there. But we were there for the Day of Atonement. We were there uh, for uh, uh, several of the Feast of Tabernacles days. We actually did the Feast of Tabernacles in two locations, uh, personally. And we went to New Zealand first because we could cross back over the date line. So I did not miss one day. Uh, You know, I spoke uh, the evening before the the, the Feast, the the first Holy Day night, uh, every day of the Feast. And I left New Zealand Sunday. We left New Zealand Sunday about uh, uh, after, after doing services. We did church services. We had to drive a couple hours. Uh, flew from Auckland to California, drove a couple hours north, and uh, then we still got here on the Sunday. <laughs> and then Monday I spoke, and we, we finished it up. Also, in the uh, mid-fall of 2013, for the first time for me, I made a trip to Israel. I did this to perform uh, historical research and prophetic research, as well as to prepare a variety of messages for our YouTube channels and try to get uh, more interest uh, in them. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one that uh, we just put together about can the Great Tribulation begin in 2014? I filled it from the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus specifically talked about the Great Tribulation and what signs people should look for there. And we did a bunch of other things that uh, people will be able to see as well. I would like to go back there, but what, what was unexpected from my perspective going there is I was able to make personal contact with a couple of people in Israel and in Jerusalem that I believe may have ramifications for us in the future. So that's, again, we're trying to go places and do things. Now, hopefully, by, by or in the spring of uh, 2014, I'm hoping to try to at least meet with some of our leaders in uh, Kenya and Tanzania. I speak to them on the phone, at least the ones in Kenya, actually. The ones in Kenya, I, seem to, I speak to the phone regularly I get emails from Africa, usually several a day, pretty much every day. So that takes up actually a fair amount of my, my time and I would like to try to, to meet with them. Uh, currently in Kenyan Tanzania, uh, we've had people who, are, we have leaders over there who are meeting with other ones. Uh, we've also been involved in supporting uh, orphans and the poor in Africa. And we hope to uh, establish more congregations there and more congregations uh, throughout the world. We're getting inquiries from different spots and there's more and more people sign up to be on our weekly letter to the Brethren, which is one way we provide news to the Brethren each week, uh, plus the suggested Sabbath service. We believe over time there'll be enough in different areas to have more congregations, and that's something that we've been praying about and we're hoping to have. But we definitely are reaching people by way of personal contact. The mission of the Continuing Church of God is uh, included in our... uh, statement of beliefs, but basically, and I'm gonna just go over it very briefly here, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but basically it's to preach the gospel of the kingdom and salvation through Jesus Christ, to preach uh, end time biblical warnings including the coming great tribulation to the descendants of Jacob and others in this age as we strive to lead the final phase of the work. We try to, our mission is to preach Philadelphian love, feed the flock, encourage all to build character through growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, We want to be examples and witnesses to the world in general as well as to other Christians. We want to learn and practice the words and commands of Jesus in all of our dealings with others. We want to restore knowledge of the truths of original Christianity. We we want to teach that Christians are to be led by the Holy Spirit and pursue love, mercy, judgment, faith, justice, and other gifts of the Spirit. Basically, teaching the truth and love and the Word of God to the world in general and those called in this age in particular is a mission of the Canadian Church of God. This gospel will be preached to the world as a witness, and the end will come, and we intend to lead it. Um, this is something that's I found sort of amusing. Uh, the New Testament says to continue, and I'm going to just briefly go over this. Again, you can go to the uh, ccog.org website and uh, read our statement of uh because this, this is there. But the New Testament says to continue. Continue what? Acts 11.23. To continue with the Lord. Acts 13.43, to continue with the grace of God. Acts 14.22, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That's how I feel sometimes in the continuing church of God. Romans 11.22, continue in his goodness. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant. 1 Timothy 2.15, continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. That's what Christians are supposed to do. 1 Timothy 4.16, Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. 2 Timothy 3.14, You must continue in the things which you have learned, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to explain that to others. Hebrews 13, 1, Let brotherly love continue, or actually the Greek more literally says, Let Philadelphia continue. And that's what we've done this past year in the continuing church of God. And I'd like to read... Acts 2.42 from Young's uh, literal translation. It says that we are to be continuing steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles. And that's what we're trying to do. The Bible distinguishes between those who have love of truth, those who do not, and if you look at Acts 18.26, there's some who need assistance, and we're trying to serve all of those. And to do that, we try to clarify a variety of doctrinal uh, and prophetic matters so we can quote Explain the way of God more accurately, end quote. And that's what we've been trying to do. On the doctrinal side, uh, some of you have watched our series of five sermons on universal offer of salvation. I go through hundreds of scriptures explaining this particular doctrine in depth in a way that I do not believe has been done uh, in recent centuries by the Church of God. I've not seen any evidence of that. I've seen evidence that throughout the centuries people believed this, don't get me wrong, but I hadn't seen any document where anyone put, put quite so much together. And I actually believe that one of our best puts forward, uh, the difference between the Church of God and the Church of the world, is they don't understand God's plan of salvation. And uh, part of the kingdom of God is God's message of salvation, what God's plan truly is. Of course... We've been steadfast to not make certain errors that others have made or have insisted on. Uh, We, we, specifically I, uh, stood against uh, the falling away changes that uh, my former association had. And then we also made two sermons on that, which you can find at the Continuing COG page, uh, excuse me, uh, YouTube channel, Continuing COG YouTube channel, uh, which is one of the two channels we came up with this year. Uh, But we've stood against doctrinal compromise. There's a bunch of other doctrinal compromises that uh, that we worked on, but, but we've also stood for getting the prophetic word out that we do believe. I know some who have a Church of God background were a little bit critical of our position on prophecy and what, what the Bible says about watching. So if you take your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to them right now to the book of Mark chapter 13. I've seen this from Protestants as well who say this stuff about watching doesn't have anything to do with world events and that you should be seeing what's going on in the world and, and comparing it to what Jesus said. Well, I strongly disagree. Let's read the words of Jesus. Mark 13, starting verse 33. Jesus said, Take heed and watch, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper, keep watch. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, or the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming, suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to you all, watch. So Jesus is telling people to watch. Watch events before his coming. They're going to lead to his coming so people won't be taken by surprise. And please go over to Luke chapter 21 because we'll read Luke's account of the same basic thing. And so the Bible more than one time saying to watch, and this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, Luke 21, starting in verse 34. But take heed yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with crowding drunkenness, the cares of this life, that the day come upon you unexpectedly. Well, people of the Sardis era specifically are warned in the book of Revelation chapter 3 that they better hold fast what they're losing, because they're not the day's going to hit them, and they're not going to know. There are those, of the Philadelphians, who are told to hold fast to what they have, but the Laodiceans don't realize that they don't have what they think they have. And notice it says, But Be careful, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life, and the day come upon you unexpectedly. Those who do not value properly the words of prophecy in this book are not doing what Jesus said. They have become Laodicean. Now you may think, well, because I, you, you might think that you yourself, you're know, following prophecy well enough, therefore, that makes you a Philadelphian. Well, not necessarily. But you should be watching, as Jesus said, and I think it's a good thing. Verse 35, for it will come upon you as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole, whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. So just watching isn't enough. You need to pray that you're counted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. If you look in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, starting in verse uh, uh, 7 through 13, I believe, Jesus has this message to the Philadelphia portion of his church. Hold fast and go through the open doors. Those who do not believe that the primary purpose of the Philadelphia portion of the Church of God is not to... Uh, proclaim the gospel to the world's a witness and to feed the flock in that order are not going to be counted worthy to escape all these things. I also believe that those who've accepted compromised leaders, those who follow those who don't have the proper character to lead the Philadelphia uh, portion of the Church of God are at definite risk of uh, falling into more laodiceanism, and I think that's something that be cautious about. There are a lot of doctrines that uh, we tried to clarify this year. Uh, we tried to clarify doctrines on uh, church governance to let people realize that yes, we do believe in hierarchical governance in the continuing Church of God, but it means that no one, not me, not anyone is above what this book says. Therefore, leaders cannot think it's okay to violate Matthew 18 or other such scriptures, to uh, assassinate someone's character, to bear false witness publicly, not repent and apologize, which happened to me repeatedly uh, from the group that I was in. Uh, We also clarified that, unlike the statement of beliefs of that group, the faith is not the first step towards salvation but that God calls He sends out his messengers to teach the word of God, then comes faith. We've clarified that despite what some have said, it is not necessary for a Jewish temple to be built in Jerusalem before Jesus returns. Now, there still could be a temple, uh, but as far as the Bible is concerned, the only requirement for the Jews to have sacrifices is an altar. And when I went to Jerusalem, I verified that. I talked to the people at the Temple Institute. I've also verified it with people who are members of the reconstituted Sanhedrin or associated with that Sanhedrin in Jerusalem that all I need is an altar. But something something else. Many people do not realize that the Temple of God in the New Testament refers to Christians. Now, there may be a physical building involved. As a matter of fact, uh, this particular building could be one, And I'll, I'll go into that in more depth later. Uh, not, not today's sermon, but it, uh, another another part. But the Jews themselves do not have to build a temple before Jesus can return. And again, uh, one or two churches of God that I know of, two that come to mind, uh, their people are going to be misled because a temple uh, does not have to be built. And if one's not built, they won't know it's time to go. Others have other areas. Another thing that we've done in the continuing church of God has been bolder on various things, bolder about pointing out corruption uh, in, with various authorities, uh, uh, ecclesiastical government and otherwise. Uh, others just don't want to do that. We are taught that institutional idolatry is wrong. You don't worship an organization. You're not supposed to worship me, certainly not the continuing Church of God. We've made it clear that we think it's wrong to knowingly send out false and knowingly wrong information about church history, like another group that I was part of did. We've explained that Philadelphians should expect persecution. It's not that we need to go out to try to promote it. But we, we are not supposed to fear it. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We've explained the final phase of the work explained what what's got to be done for the end we've explained that there will likely be a, sh- a short work as it says in Romans 928 again I'm going through some doctrinal things we've tried to clarify this year and this short work may be when uh, when we identify the rising king of the north that that may develop or put a lot of media attention on the continuing Church of God, our message, and our websites. That's one of the reasons why I want our websites developed. I want information in there in multiple languages. That's one of the reasons why we're putting together what we are. So when people do look, they will get a true witness. God's not going to let people without a witness, and I think it's a stronger witness than than many people in days gone by have, have thought about it. We've also come out boldly and claimed that, unlike what certain Church of God groups have improperly reported why, when they perpetuate Catholic myths, as well as certain Catholics on the internet, that Ignatius, who was in the Church of God, did not teach the Sabbath was done away. This is a, a very important doctrine because if you accept Catholic myths on this, it leads to all kinds of things that are just wrong and destroys any credibility when it comes to church history. It's one of the reasons why we're trying to be careful about church history. Remember, at the time of the end, unlike how people in, for example, the United States have viewed things, uh, it's you know how do you explain to Protestants who claim to believe the Bible, Church of God doctrine, that kind of thing? Well, as more and more Protestants are falling away from their faith, and I probably shouldn't use the word falling away, but I'll use continue. They are less; uh, they're becoming less and less Protestants. More and more Catholics, and more and more people who are uh, not as interested. In the time of the end. It's basically going to be the Church of God versus a reconstituted or changed Catholic church. A church that's going to call itself Catholic. And I grew up Roman Catholic, and I can tell you that one of the things they value is church history. And the association that I was part of last had so many errors in church history, there was no possible way that they had any credibility with the Roman Catholics or the Eastern Orthodox, or actually any scholars who looked at church history because they just contradicted uh, known facts too frequently. And we have to have credibility to do the final phase of the work. We have to have credibility to explain why we in the continuing Church of God have continued with the faith that the original apostles had and those who followed them the first and second centuries. The late Herbert Armstrong once said, I heard him say this, or I read it, you can figure out church history by looking at the writings of our enemies. Well, I've gone through those writings. Now, I'm not particularly good in the Greek or Latin. Most of them are written in Greek, some in Latin. Uh, but most of them are translated into English. And if I get a translation that I don't like, then I try to uh, use my, my uh, Latin and uh, Greek skills to try, to try to clarify some points, which is one of the things I did with the Ignatius letters I was referring to before. But we need to know some of the basics about church history so we can explain why we are who we say we are. And by the way, according to people that the uh, Church of Rome considers to be saints or fathers of their church, many of them have teachings that we in the Continuing Church of God still have, but the Church of Rome no longer has. They've changed them. They haven't continued in the faith, but we in the Continuing Church of God have. Throughout the year, i pointed out that Jesus is present at Passover. Uh, The group I was in was starting to say it was not. Uh, I've also clarified some positions about adultery and and marriage and divorce that some others uh, did not uh, handle from a a biblical perspective. We've also denounced uh, violent sports uh, more so than other groups. A lot of groups are afraid to do that because if they denounce them too much, they may lose tithe payers. We've clarified some things about uh, eating out on the Sabbath. We've expanded the idea about the, the mark of the beast because it also includes adulter- idolatry. And while some will say, "Well, okay, you've gone around changing doctrine," because Herbert Armstrong said it had to do with the Sabbath, he did, but he also said it had to do with the commandments and idolatry. And I'll go into that more later. We restored the truth of the Bible that once every seven years, that you're supposed to read the Book of the Law, the Book of Deuteronomy, for the, during the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, I know there's some other groups that have, have done it, but no group that I had been part of uh, ever did it. And so this particular Feast of Haggadah was 2013. Uh, I read through that, the entire feast. We've also um, gone forward and tried to tell people that some of the prophecies in the Old Testament, specifically, that mention Samaria, are references to the United States of America. We've also clarified that Habakkuk 2 does have end-time application. Sadly or oddly, even though it says in Habakkuk 2 that this vision is for the end time and the appointed time of the end, uh, some in my prior association said, well, maybe this had to do with the Chaldeans 2,000 or 2,500 years ago or something along that line. Well, actually, the appointed time of the end is also mentioned a couple other places in the Old Testament, such as uh, Daniel chapter 11, and that's at the end time. Uh, we're not preterists who teach that all this stuff's been done away. At least uh, not those of us in the uh, continuing church of God. We believe that uh, God is restoring all things, it says in Matthew 17:11. Uh, and we've been trying to clarify that. Now something else that we've tried to do that others have backed off from, and I've alluded to this already in the sermon, go to your Bible and look at uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 58. just going to read one verse. Isaiah 58, verse 1, it says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression, and house of Jacob their sins, and that's what we're supposed to do, but also I'd like to read a warning from Ezekiel, if you go to Ezekiel chapter 3, I'd like to read a few verses there, Ezekiel chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 4, Ezekiel 3, starting in verse 4, then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak." with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but those of the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech or and of a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent, hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their forehead. Like... Adamant stone, harder than flint, I made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So we see that God is saying, we need to get this out, even though people are rebellious. We have physical descendants of Jacob, and let's say the United States, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the United Kingdom and Canada, and some places elsewhere in the world. But we also have descendants of spiritual Israel, who are hard... Headed, who will not listen, who are rebellious. They don't think they are rebellious, and they won't hear it. Well, anyway, continuing in Ezekiel three. This not a time, I'd like to go down to verse sixteen. Now, it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give warning to them. When I save the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning nor speak." to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I'll require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Notice we're supposed to cry aloud, we're supposed to tell people their sins, many will not listen. So in addition to articles, and we have articles on lots of subjects, including substance abuse and that kind of stuff, we've done Bible news prophecy videos, to try to reach the world. We've explained why Halloween is wrong. We've explained that people should not eat too much. We've uh, condemned pornography, and the soft pornography, and the celebrity pornography that's growing in Western cultures. We've condemned that strongly. We've condemned astrology. We've got one on astrology, we've got one, we've got two on tattoos. We've condemned cross-dressing, homosexuality, uh, same-sex marriage, as they call it. We've condemned uh, abortion. We've explained how it ties into increasing U.S. debt. We've explained why increasing debt is wrong. We've explained contrary to the position of uh, tax rebels that Christians are supposed to pay taxes. And even though people claim it's all about love, we've explained why Christians don't keep Valentine's Day. We've explained why violent sports such as boxing and American tackle football violate Christian principles. We've explained actually at our continuing COG channel how people break commandments, specifically the first four, and the one that's broke the most, by the way, is people put things before God. Even people in Church of God put things before God. Yes, I uh, also talked about idolatry uh, and uh, 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 taking God's name in vain, as as well as uh, the Sabbath commandments. But we're trying to tell people the sins. We're supposed to be doing that. That's part of the message that we are supposed to do. Now, we are small, and one of the reasons people haven't come to us is kind of interesting, uh, at least my take on it. They'll say, well, if you had a congregation in our area, we'd attend with you. And most, many times we're, we're contact. we don't have a congregation in our area. So what were we supposed to do about this? Well, uh, within a few days of our formation, we ended up having a, uh, well, two congregations immediately. We had uh, one here in California, and then a couple days later, Uh, we were contacted uh, by people in New Zealand. So we had two congregations really quick. But we were starting to get inquiries from others, and not where there was a whole group of people coming, just one individual here, one individual individual there. So how do we deal with that? Uh, You know, the Bible in Leviticus uh, 23.3 talks about that the Sabbath is a Holy Convocation. And if you read other parts of Leviticus 23, it talks about the other Holy Days. Or Holy Convocations. So how can we deal with that? So we know, as it says, uh, you're supposed to give meat in due season, and Second Timothy four two says we're supposed to preach the word. So we've got to figure out, you know, how are we going to do that? So how could we best serve people scattered all around the world? Well, in addition to end up having congregations in Africa, the South Pacific, in uh, in California, or wherever, we had to come up with a plan. So within uh, a week or two of our formation, uh, we started to put out our weekly letter to the Brethren. And so what will happen is if somebody writes us, it's usually it's going to be me, and they'll say, you know, I'm just in your church, or do you have a congregation, what, what can we do? I'll write them back and say, look, if you request it, we'll put your email address in a weekly letter to the Brethren that we have, and we will send you a suggested Sabbath service. Uh, we have links to uh, our songbook uh, and, the, and the songs. We have a suggested uh, sermonette that we have linked to. We frequently also have a link to an article because some people's internet connection uh, can't uh, get the YouTube videos uh, to run properly, and I can understand that. I've got problems in my own house with it sometimes. But so that gives, plus, uh, we suggest that you can find other sermonettes. And also for a sermon, we prepare a sermon every week. Uh, usually there's a related article that we refer people to that they can go ahead and take a look at. And that way we can have a, a Sabbath service and better serve our scattered brethren. We also do the same thing for the Holy Days. Uh, we're now uploading, by the way, a brand new uh, uh, Holy Day service, if you will, for Passover. Uh, we film this one in, uh, in Israel, so that'll be ready in time, so uh, people uh, will be able to do that uh, if they can't attend a regular Passover service. But we also try to have Holy Day services available, uh, etc., to serve our scattered brethren throughout the world. And in the last year, we've made at least 125 videos, of which I was in 120 of them. Uh, so sometimes, by the way, that's a bit much to have to, to, to do a couple of videos per week. It's a lot of work, but it works to serve our scattered brethren. We have taken steps to serve the scattered brethren. That's something we've accomplished in our first year and something that we've been able to do on a regular basis. Now, we also know that in uh, places such as the United States and elsewhere, you can perhaps get tax deductions for uh, financial support of our work. So we took steps. We filed paperwork with the state of California to grant us a tax exemption. We had automatic tax exemption with the rest of the United States when we originally filed. The state of California had a lot of paperwork we had to do, and we did it to help our brethren. And in New Zealand, we're registered as uh, some kind of charity or church over there, so also the contributions there are uh, tax deductible. Uh, And we're also looking at registering in one or more other countries as, as as I speak this. So we're trying to not overlook everything, we're trying to serve our scattered brethren the best we can. Weekly letters, sermons, sermonettes, uh, news, keeping up with prophecy, uh, and telling people what's going on. Now, of course, we have internet reach. And we're known for our internet reach. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, we've reached people in over 220 countries and territories. Uh, according to AW stats, we've had something like 5 million articles that have been viewed many of my articles are very long and so people get a lot of information we also established a lot of websites uh, we established ccog.org which is the official home website if you will for the continuing church of God but we also have uh, a ccog.asia where we have articles in uh, Mandarin Chinese most of the websites actually in Mandarin uh, we have some information uh, in Korean uh, I think we have some links in Tagalog there as well and some perhaps some other languages including English Uh, We have ccog.eu, which we have a bunch of languages, we'll get to that later, ccog.in for India. We also have a a Philippine language website. We also have a Spanish language website. And of course, we have cogwriter.com. Now, the popularity of our websites exceeds that of all but perhaps uh, uh, three uh, Churches of God that I'm familiar with. I base it on something called uh, the Alexa uh, ranking checker or Rank checker. Basically Alexa looks at uh, websites and they only pay attention to the top 20 or 30 million websites, there's like 500 million websites and they assign them a ranking. Google by the way uh, when I checked this morning was number one. I think Facebook is currently number two. The lower the number the better your ranking is. Well as of this morning when I checked uh, Uh, One of our websites, the Cogredor website, had a ranking of 102,572. And for comparison purposes, the most effective website, a more popular website of the group I was part of, had a ranking of 329,550. Which basically means that all of that church's uh, websites combined, ignoring YouTube, and I'll mention YouTube later, all of their official websites combined are not as popular as, what, as the carburetor website or in total all the CCOG related websites. We are much more popular. Basically it means more people come more often to get more information. Now Alexa rankings are not the same as raw data and raw data can be helpful but what's good about Alexa is an independent source to tell us how effective the site's been and it helps truly measure international reach. And on a per-member basis, by the way, according to the results from AW Stats, I believe that the CCOG-related websites are more effective than any other Church of God has ever been. Okay, but even on a total basis, which I think only three groups have a, a, a greater uh, popularity of the internet, and two of those three groups I question if they're actually in the Church of God. Considering our size, uh, we've had some really great results. But a lot of people want to uh, malign our results. They also want to malign our leaders. Uh, Before getting to the results and myself being maligned, I thought I'd comment about something happened this, this very week. I had three emails from somebody condemning one of the leaders that we're trying to work with over in Kenya and Tanzania. They made a variety of accusations against this individual. Now, as it turns out, they claimed to be two people I actually knew. <laughs> I, uh, one of which I talked to on the telephone uh, before out of Kenya, and the other one I'd emailed back and forth. And because I, I noticed that their email addresses were false, they were false email addresses. So I contacted uh, the, these people and said, "Hey, was this you?" And uh, they were like, "No, that's not mine. I've never used that website." So so I've had to deal with a lot of false accusations and stuff dealing with Africa. It's been very, 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 very difficult. But some people have been proven to be liars and accusers of the brethren. And because they're liars and accusers of the brethren, uh, I have to discount it. But what uh, what about our web information? Well, some false accusations actually come from people who do exist and who are willing to say who they are. Uh, there's a particular minister in my former association that I learned earlier this month has been posting all kinds of negative things about me. I didn't realize that he was. I hadn't been paying attention to that kind of stuff. He claimed that I and perhaps others, affiliated the Continuing Church of God, were cheating on our Alexa rankings to get a better ranking. That we had Alexa toolbars or we did all kinds of stuff in order to try to get a better ranking. But we never did that. And he, so he's trying to say that uh, we did, were doing better than his associate, his church because we cheated the system somehow. And that's absolute nonsense. I didn't even know there were ways to, to cheat the system. And we haven't tried to do it. We've never told people to put Alexa toolbars on their website or their, uh, their computers at their house. As a matter of fact, until I heard this accusation, we were doing it, I don't even know if I knew there was such a thing as an Alexa toolbar. But this guy put all kinds of innuendos against me. He's trying to confuse people with what I call red herring arguments. But finally, he admitted that uh, our website beat all of his church's websites. But then he tried to say, well, this is because we use Alexa as one of our rankings. Which we do. We do. But he tried to imply that uh, there are other rankings, and he listed six or eight other rankings that proved, in his opinion, that his church was doing better uh, on the internet. It was more popular on the internet. Well, I believe that he confused people, and I'd like to actually explain kind of how Alexa goes versus the rankings that he wanted people to look at. If you think of the websites, think of a website like a library. A website's kind of like a library because uh, you can go there and get information. Now, they're not books, but they're called links, Okay. And the links have articles. So what Alexa does, so let's assume uh, his church has a a library and our church has a library. Well, basically what happens is with the Alexa ranking, Alexa says, how many people went to your library? How long did they stay at the library? And how many books did they read? And and, and, And do they keep coming back to the library? Okay, that's what Alexa ranks. And it ranks it for the entire world. Remember I mentioned Jesus' words in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go you into all the world and teach them all things. So I like Alexa rankings for that purpose. It's not that they're not flawed, but what's helpful is they try to measure the entire reach. Are you actually doing what Jesus said to do in Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Now this other guy with this other church He's, I, I looked up their Alexa data, and here's what I found. I found that people don't come as often. They don't stay very long. They look at less stuff. Actually, I found today that their most popular website, uh, people come, you look at one thing and go away. If they come to uh, the Congregator website, they come, they look at several things, and they stay three times as long. The reason that uh, the CCOG websites are more popular than this other church you've had is because people spend more time at the website. They read more at the website. They spend more time at the website. Now, to get technical, he was mentioning uh, Quantcast. I'd like to explain Quantcast. What he's basically saying is with Quantcast, that uh, his church has a higher ranking, and they probably do. But I'd like to explain a couple things about QuantCast. First of all, what it tries to do is measure how many times Americans come to a website. So it's not focused on the whole world, like Jesus said in Matthew 28 or Matthew 24. So that's one problem with it. Secondly, and I checked it this week, we at the Continuing Church of God actually get three to five times as many U.S. visitors as QuantCast says. QuantCast is in error, and I think the reason it is is that there is a way that you can cheat with Quantcast and I uh, we don't do that, but there was some Quantcast link once and ever since that was removed, uh, the Quantcast has always gotten their numbers wrong. But anyway, but you don't want to rely on Quantcast because again all it does, going back to our library yeah. analogy, is it how telling people show up at the library. Well, you can pay to get people to show up to the library. matter of fact, that particular church spends 50 to 100 times as much as we do on the Internet, maybe even 200 times as much, and they can buy advertising to get people to show up. And they do. But apparently people don't stay and look at other things once once they get there. You also mentioned a system called uh, Compete, which is another ranking system, but it's pretty much just like Quantcast. It's consumer-based, and it's, it's, it's not like... Uh, Alexa. Now the other part that I thought was hilarious in his list of things, he listed that his group has more Facebook likes. Well, that's cute, but that's because they told their members uh, multiple occasions to go to their page and like it. That's kind of like cheating the system. And so he accuse us of cheating, which we haven't done anything. We just add information out there. So I consider that blatant hypocrisy on his part and those who want to go along with what he's doing. He tried to bring up various measures and suggest that uh, CCOG was only ahead of his church in one measurement, Alexa. But that's really not the case. But we're not trying to compete with them. We're just trying to make it clear that we are getting the gospel out. We actually post more articles, more often, and have more content uh, than than his group and many of the other groups. That's why people that's why people uh, come. Uh, in Acts 13.41, uh, I like to read something the New Testament teaches, because a lot of people are despisers and mockers. It says, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. And that's what we've been trying to do in the uh, Continuing Church of God. Now, one of, one of our supporters actually said, I probably shouldn't bother to deal with you know, critics like this, just focus on proclaiming the gospel. And we have been. Again, I didn't even know about this particular critic writing up against us so much uh, until earlier this month. But because, you know, it says in uh, Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man has overtaken any trespass, you who are spiritual will restore such a one in spirit of gentleness. By trying to explain the truth, hopefully those who've been misled uh, uh, will see the truth and people will repent. I also believe Matthew 18 applies. That's another reason I decided to give some response. But I flat out believe one of the reasons that the CCOG is leading the final phase of the work is because the group I was once part of cannot have the Philadelphia mantle because of its numerous organizational objectives that they place above the truth. And a lot of ones in various groups don't want to believe the truth, but just because they don't believe it doesn't mean it's the truth. In John 8 45, Jesus condemned people who thought they were God's people, but they, would, they wouldn't believe it even when he told the truth. Now we're reaching people on the internet. We're reaching many people on the internet. We've reached millions directly and indirectly on the internet. And that's, that's the truth. Some don't want to believe the truth, but that's unfortunate. Now, since we don't have full-time st- paid staff or, and we have a small budget, how can we do this? Well, many people scoff. But Matthew twenty-four fourteen is going to be completed. If you go to the book Habakkuk, chapter 1, I'd like to read a verse there, verse 5. Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it were told you. And we're trying to explain this work to people now. but A lot of people don't believe it still. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, um, actually, I probably should read a couple passages there. Zechariah 4, starting in verse 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you'll become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, verse 9, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Well, many have seemingly despised the day of small things. They said, well, uh, this church is too small. We don't have enough people. Sadly, even though the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 said to walk by faith, not by sight, Many of the Church of God's groups are walking by sight. Many uh, critics, by the way, have gone out and throughout the year and said I'm self-appointed prophet or I'm a false prophet. Not because I'm making false prophecies, by the way. <laughs> that part I find interesting. Not because I'm not teaching the truth. But because they decide they want a reason to refuse accept what happened with me. People don't believe that God answers prayer. One of the things that uh, I'd like to... I want want to spend a lot of time on this, but let me just basically rehash this. Years ago, a particular presiding evangelist told me that uh, he thought, God thought I might think I was a prophet. This particular evangelist also told me if he was uh, ordained to be an apostle, he might ordain me as a prophet. He was thinking about it. He said, it's denied he said that, but he said it. And I was trying to figure out how to handle all this prophet matter, and I counseled with my my local pastor and some other uh, ministers in that church, and they said, well, if you're a prophet, uh, that's fine. I said, no, I think I need to have hands laid on me again. No, they said, you didn't have to. Well, I wasn't really comfortable with that. I was reading in Timothy and stuff, and I thought, no, if if God thinks I'm some kind of prophet, I should probably be uh, appointed or anointed or something into that role. As it turns out, I had a trip coming to uh, the headquarters of that organization, and just before I went there, I prayed to God, I said, look, if I'm supposed to be some kind of prophet, you know, make this make this clear. you know, if I, and if I'm not, you know, try to make it clear that I'm not. So when I was there in December 2011, a minister who didn't know anything about the prophet matter, uh, uh, who was gonna anoint me for something else, anointed me with oil, prayed that God would grant me a double portion of his spirit. And remember, the word's gonna be done By God's Spirit. It said, I just read read that in Zechariah. And so I asked him about this, and he told me he thought this was reminiscent of Elisha taking uh, the mantle, or getting the mantle from Elijah, which you can read about in 2 Kings uh, uh, 2 9 through 13. We also have an article, by the way, called How to Determine One's a True Prophet of God. Now, Elisha asked for something, and he got it. I prayed, and this is what happened. Some of you might say, well, but aren't dreams also associated with prophets? Well, they certainly are. You can read Acts 2, uh, 17 through 18, which I'm not going to do right now. But I had a dream that was confirmed uh, in this past year. And actually, I'm going to destroy her name. We normally call her Faye, but uh, Thessaliphaia Fiso Liana of New Zealand. Again, I apologize, uh, Faye, for getting your name wrong. I know I didn't get it quite right. We both had dreams. We lived thousands of miles apart from each other. These dreams were confirmed by subsequent events in the continuing Church of God, as it says in the Second Peter one verse nineteen. So we have the prophetic word confirmed. So uh, people want signs. If there have been dreams. They were confirmed, and we have an article about dreams that you can read about that to explain it. But Jesus said in Matthew eighteen verse sixteen. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And we've had we've had these established. We've had uh the dream I had, the one that uh had, and subsequent events that have confirmed it. But a lot of people uh don't seem to believe that uh, God works that way. They don't understand, they they think God's spirit should be quenched, they don't they tend to despise prophecies, even though in 1 Thessalonians 5:19 and 20. The Apostle Paul said, "Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies." What about fruits? Um, We we have lots of fruits, and one of the things I haven't mentioned before is about baptisms. At least twenty percent of the people that I have met in the Continuing Church of God were either baptized by me, had hands laid on me related to their baptism, uh, or I was counselled with or approved their their, uh, their their baptism. Now, in Matthew 7, verse 18 through 20, Jesus said, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And also in John 18, verse 37, Jesus said, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Well, we in the continuing church of God do stand for the truth. And we do have the type of prophetic fruits that Jesus was referring to. If you look at further in Matthew 7, he was talking about prophets. How do you determine one's a prophet? And uh, the, the fruits are there. And people can look at at, at the information. And again, this is all documented on our websites if you want to look at it. But various ones have resorted to misinformation innuendo about me and the church throughout the year. But that's not unheard of. I'd like to read something from the late Herbert W. Armstrong. This is what he wrote in the May 1966 Plain Truth, page 2. Persecutors have called me a false prophet. Well, I know what that's like. Now, how would you know whether this accusation is true or false? And he says, It's actually probably not very important to you whether or not my persecutors are right or wrong when they call me dirty names, hurl epithets, resort to innuendo, impute sinister motives, strive to discredit, attempt character assassination, which all of which has happened to me by my former association. What's important to you is whether or not what you read is really the truth. And what you hear of our broadcast is true. Whether or not I I am as an individual true or not. I think our, our readers know by now, we always say don't believe what we say because you believe us. We say listen with an open mind, without prejudice. Check up with your own Bible. Prove what's true. Believe what you find proved. I don't seek to induce people to believe in me. I seek to lead them to believe in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're doing. This is not a personality cult about me. Check out what I teach. Check out what we teach. Take your Bible. See what we're doing is there. We've explained that we have various proclamation fruits. We've got all these efforts that are going on. Now, to close, I'd like to just make a few comments related to some similarities and differences between Herbert Armstrong started the Radio Church of God, and myself and the Continuing Church of God. There were a lot of parallels. Herbert Armstrong, uh, before he was ord- uh before he was ordained, his wife had a dream about him doing a work. Same thing happened to me. And before I planned to start CCOG, I, I mentioned that thought he had a dream as well. And Herbert Armstrong relied on his wife's dream as partial proof that he was supposed to do what he. It's done, and he explained it to, the pe- to people. We've done that as well. Now, of course, anybody can claim to have dreams that are confirmed by subsequent events, but we in the Continuing Church of God teach the truth of God, and we've gone through the doors that God's opened for us. Now, some have challenged my ordination or my anointing, if you will, as a prophet. I believe I was ordained by God and anointed by man. But parts of Herbert Armstrong's baptism could be challenged. It didn't seem like he had hands properly laid on him by one who had God's spirit until he was later ordained as a minister. And as far as the apostles' side, uh, people waited until decades after he'd been around uh, before they thought that was the case. Herbert Armstrong didn't set out to be a preacher, neither did I. And though, Even though he had a following in Church of God's Seventh Day, I had a following before I left, relatively few came with Herbert Armstrong. And actually, for years, nobody would keep the Holy Days with him and his wife. And... We in the Canadian Church of God, we'd have massive amounts of people. We did have people who kept uh, the feast with us. At the beginning, Herbert Armstrong wrote pretty much all the articles in the uh, Old Plain Truth magazine uh, for years. And I wrote most of the articles, uh, or nearly all the ones that I showed you in the magazines that we've got here. Herbert Armstrong believed that God led him to uh, start and lead the Philadelphia era of the Church of God. And I believe God has raised me to uh, lead the final phase of it. Herman Armstrong left Church of God's seventh day after he concluded that they weren't going to uh, fix certain doctrinal errors and it was futile to continue to work with them even though they had agreed to make changes. I had the same experience uh, when I had to deal with things such as uh, the man of sin, the falling away, uh, their perpetuation of uh, Catholic myths, just to cite three examples. Herbert Armstrong concluded that the group he was in didn't have the proper zeal and love of the truth to finish the work of Matthew 24, 14. that was my conclusion with my former former association. Herbert Armstrong left that group despite the fact they were a larger size. And I also did so regarding the other group. Ministers didn't leave uh, CG7 and follow Herbert Armstrong at first. And the same thing uh, with us. Many will point out that we're small, And so was Herbert Armstrong's Radio Church of God for quite some time. I believe we had the Philadelphia mantle. Now other groups have made that claim. The difference is I believe that we're being led by God's Spirit to uh, lead the final phase of the work. I do believe we have the proper priorities, the proper fruits. They're demonstrated for any with the eyes to see or the ears to hear. Sadly, many in the Church of God now are too complacent and they're unwilling to make the changes that Jesus admonished the Laodiceans in Revelation 3:14 through 22. But we had a productive year, our first year. But I urge you all to pray. So Jesus said in Matthew 9, starting verse 37, Jesus said, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into the harvest. And I urge you all to do that. Teaching truth and love of God, and love of the Word of God, to the world in general, and to those called in this age in particular, is a mission of the Continuing Church of God. In our first year, we reached multiple millions around the world. We stood for and held fast to the truth. We fed the flock. We walked by faith. And we were proven that we are committed to going through the door that God has opened for us. The final phase of the work has begun, and this past year... The continuing church of God has been demonstrating that that's what we are doing. We're leading the final phase of the work.